Welcome everybody to the next episode of the Cannabis Review. I am delighted to be joined on this show by a fellow Irishman and one of the leading cannabis activists in Ireland. He is also an independent political candidate and the founder and host of the hugely popular Martin's World podcast. Martin Condon, how are you keeping? I'm very good, on. Thanks very much for having me on again. <laughs> I really yeah. appreciate it. Delighted to have you on the show, man. You're all over the news with the campaign you created recently. Um, can you give everybody a little overview of what was National Legalized Cannabis Day and the campaign that you brought about? Because it was pretty impressive, the response that you seem to have got from it. Yeah, I suppose uh, all credit has to go really to Luke Ming Flanagan, who is the real creator of the National Legalized Cannabis Day campaign. He founded it back in 2001, um, in November 2001, November 5th, 2001, when uh, he went about and rolled up. Uh, he, he said to me in a recent interview over 400 cannabis joints and sent them to all of the politicians, senators, local councillors and uh, media also across the island of Ireland. Um, and that, that got a great, a great load of attention for the campaign at the time. He also delivered a cannabis plant to the then National Drugs Minister uh, in charge of the drug strategy. And he got arrested in the process of doing that. He never actually got to deliver the plan to the minister as intended, but he got arrested. And following that campaign, uh, Luke McFlanagan told me he got over 65 radio interviews. Um, so for, for me, I suppose I was, this was pointed out to me that this date was coming up. And I was just like, well, this is the 20th anniversary of, of that date. Um, so I was like, that's a significant milestone. And it's, a, it's an event that was well worth re recreating. Um, so myself, uh, in a joint effort with, with other campaigners here, Relief Cannabis Cafe, R420 uh, Supplies and the Cannabis Activist Alliance, um, we, we set about uh, rolling up uh, over 200 cannabis joints and uh, we printed out uh, a nice letter which uh, highlighted the aim of the campaign and at the back of the letter also included was uh, 10 reasons why cannabis prohibition should be ended. We also included within the letter then a disclaimer um, because within with the letter included in the envelope was a cannabis joint and a jelly and um, because we had a lot of uh, hysteria here in the media recently about cannabis edibles so we, we chose to, to include a, a jelly ju just for that uh, side of it but the, the jellies were mostly haribo from, from the kids halloween uh, bags and um, there was a few cbd uh, gummies put in there as well but uh, not, not too many of those is they're a bit pricey um, but uh, we, we sent those then off to all of the media across the island of our our the politicians across the island of ireland and uh, the campaign was incredibly successful uh, within a couple of days as the letters started arriving because we sent them in a, a kind of um in a, in a spread out fashion we didn't post all the letters at once from the one a post box because uh to be honest, like when, when you had a bundle of 20 of them, you, you could actually smell the cannabis coming out of the envelopes because they weren't sealed up in, in any way. Um, so we kind of uh, staggered. That, that was the word I was looking for. We staggered the post of that going out. And then like co come the middle of uh, the, the week following the 5th of November, um, we, we achieved what we wanted to, which we got the nation talking about uh, the, the need for change around cannabis prohibition. Uh, so it was, it was very successful. We, we also then got um, out uh, another campaigner, Green Tea, spoke on national radio uh on the national airwaves as well about uh her what she's doing there growing cannabis for her partner who's got late stages of uh, multiple sclerosis so that the campaign achieved much more than what it set out to do we just wanted to get the nation talking but we actually uh, got got a few more campaigners out to the forefront now and uh, standing up and speaking against this uh inhumane prohibition of cannabis yeah, no, that's a it's a very impressive campaign, and you haven't had any kickback yet. Nobody's come back and said anything to you so far. 
no kickback. It seems like the guys up above in the dial are getting more kickback to me because apparently they've got like a 30 million euro security system in place and, and it wasn't effective enough to prevent a couple of uh, hand-rolled uh, giants or even politicians. Again, they did go back to the old scare tactics. Oh my God, what if it was anthrax? It's like, come here, so don't, don't compare our campaign to, to a move of a, of a terrorist organization. Uh, cannabis joints and anthrax, like they should not be mentioned in the same headline at all, unless it, their objective was to, to try to um, muddy the waters around who we are and what we're doing, you know, attaching us to a terrorist kind of uh, ploy. No, no thanks. That was a very poor journalism, that one was. Yeah, I, th- I seem to think that in Ireland at the moment, you've got the politicians seem to be broken up into maybe three or four different groups. You've got, you've got the the young, knowledgeable ones who know all about cannabis, know that there's nothing wrong with it, know that it's a billion-dollar industry and don't want to be the ones to put the, their neck on the chopping board, but will back an industry once it's, it's got the right players involved in it. Then I think on the contrast, you've got the old people, the the civil servants who might block this in the, in the Department of Health and whatnot that... Uh, are just it's like heroin to them and it's completely uh uneducated ill-informed opinion on something so you've got the two of those worlds that are happening and i think it's what's happening in between is the most interesting one because they might have come from that world but they're open to learning and they just don't know enough yet and it's kind of up to people like us to be doing good content and doing campaigns like you're doing yeah. to, be able to highlight how uh, nonsensical the current campaign is and that they the, the war on drugs has been lost long ago that this now needs to be looked at if, like every other uh, country, I think, is starting to pivot into it. And it actually brings me into the next topic I kind of wanted to bring up to you is Germany legalizing. What are your thoughts uh, on this so far and the three uh, coalition parties that uh, have come together now to, to create a recreational cannabis industry with first products being sold within 12 months from now, I think? Yeah, well, well I think that the most uh, attractive thing to me about Germany's move is their their approach it, it's not to make money. It's not to, to line the coffers at all. It's actually to uh, remove the criminal body that, that currently exists within the cannabis industry. Uh, with cannabis prohibited, it's in control of the organized crime gangs. So the German government have kind of identified this as being a big problem um, in, in order to achieve, achieve harm reduction. So for, for them, they've seen the, the most effective way of achieving harm reduction around cannabis is to regulate it, to control it um, in, a, in a true sense of the, the word control, because we, we talk about cannabis and all of these other drugs as controlled drugs, but they're, they're anything but under a model of prohibition. So I, I think that's the most attractive thing about the conversation there within Germany currently. It's like, while, while the money is great, you know, they're talking about 5 billion euro, um, a, a multi-billion euro saving for the Justice Department and having to enforce this, you know, and, and having to occupy their, their prison cells and all of this stuff. That's all great. But what I think is the, the best part of the conversation is the, the control of cannabis, the, the harm reduction around cannabis and the removal of the organized crime gangs from the cannabis industry. And uh, I think it's great. I hope that uh, Germany are very successful over the next four years, as it is a, a four year trial. And at the end of the four years, they'll come back and they'll review it. So it's open to change. Um, but I, I hope the findings are as to be expected, which is that, yes, ending prohibition, regulating cannabis will achieve what they're setting out to do, which is eliminate the organized crime gangs. We, we don't need these organized crime gangs in our society. There's enough bad players out there without creating a, a fictitious system for them to exist within, which is prohibition of cannabis. So yeah, it's, it's a great thing. I think that's going to send shockwaves then across the rest of Europe, because as we're having conversations here then in Ireland, um, those dinosaurs that you mentioned within the, the ranks of our government, um, it'll be much harder for them to discredit 
the conversation around this now because like for them to say oh that's a foolish idea they, they can't say it anymore because it's like well are you saying the Ger german government currently is a foolish people that they're making a, a mistake and um, because I, I don't think any of our ministers would want to get on the bad side of, of germany because they're a, a big player within europe um, so I, I do think that this is a great opportunity for us as campaigners here right now because um, the, the the conversation, it's going to be a lot harder for the prohibitionist side to keep up their arguments because uh, it's it's like a house of cards, their, their arguments, they're, they're falling and uh, they, they're down to the bottom tier now at the moment, like we're ready to, to, to just clean house with them. Um, because you know, next year as we move into next year in our in Ireland, and um, we've got Gino Kenny's bill, we've got the uh, Citizens Assembly coming up, um, so many avenues for conversation for change to happen, um, and the German stuff is just going to really enrich that conversation now for us on the kind of the anti-prohibition side. Yeah, I think we're uh, they're sandwiched in now. We've got legalization in New York. We've got legalization in Germany. I think it's just going to be a slow march in towards us. And if they've yeah. got any sense, it's about replacing the criminals with a, a, a refined legal industry and uh, having a bit of common sense as they look at this. The last topic I wanted to talk to you about... Just before you move on to the last one, it's just worth to be saying as well that like uh, Germany are not alone within Europe, that we have Luxembourg, there's Malta, we have Portugal. There, there's many countries now within the European Union looking at changing their laws around cannabis. And a lot of them are restricted because of the International Narcotics Control Board, which is why Germany are choosing to... to, to use the phrasing it's a research uh, period a four-year research period because the international narcotics control board who kind of control the laws around narcotics within europe um they wouldn't allow a country to actually legalize uh, cannabis because that's the problem brought up by gino kenny there recently as that would be in violation of european law but a research project uh, that's within it um but yes germany aren't alone we, we've uh, big ways being made over here in europe next year from from many countries so yeah, so, sorry, I just wanted to get that in before you went on to the last topic. Not at all, mate, not at all. You're uh, you're completely right. So um, the next topic that I did want to jump in on was the first MCAT patient. There was a lot of headlines recently there, a lot of pizzazz and jazz about behind all this. How much of a, a, a step forward do you think this is or is it more pressing headlines and publicity? I, I think it's it's a great step forward in one sense because no patients, some, you know, again, we, we could talk about the Medical Cannabis Access Program and it's like at the most, it, it's a regime that North Korea would, or a program North Korea would be proud of because of how restrictive and, and controlling it is. Um, because effectively, you know, no patients are able to get access through it. You know, you've Alicia Maher out there suffering with chronic, chronic pain, living on Alicante and gets access to cannabis and it does her tremendous benefits. So she won't get access under the medical cannabis access program but for the patients who do this is great this is a, a tremendous step forward for them and um, there, there's three conditions listed the nausea associated with cancer the multiple sclerosis but only the spasticity associated with multiple sclerosis and then there's the refractory type of epilepsy now all of those patients have to have undergone standard conventional treatments and that treatment has to be unsuccessful for them to be considered accessible to this program so again, that this while having one patient on it, it's great. It's a, it's a real step forward, um, but still, there's, there's a long way to go for for the patients who could benefit from this plant. Um, they they recently added, and I think this is most the most noteworthy thing actually outside of the the first patient getting access is they've actually added two cannabis flower products now to the medical cannabis access program. One of them is a 22% uh, THC variety of uh, cannabis from Bedrocan, 
The other one is, I believe, a 13.5% uh, THC variety from Bedrakan. Um, and I believe they've got a content of CBD in there uh, in the region of about 1% as well in both flowers. Um, but what this does again for us as campaigners here in Ireland is it's, it's more fuel, it's more ammunition for us to use to counter the arguments of the prohibitionists. How can they tell us that, you know, that the cannabis plant that's being grown by a person who wants to mitigate maybe the, the onset of their glaucoma or something like that, or maybe to reduce the effects of their arthritis? Um, how can we tell them that they're a criminal and what they're using is not medicinal? when we now have cannabis flowers included on it, you know, is, is this cannabis flowers in, in some way superior? It's like, if it is, please prove it. Like, because I, I can't see how they can justify having one regarded as a medicinal product. And, and meanwhile, like the other is like, no, 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 you're, you're a criminal and that's a dangerous drug that you're dealing with there. It's um, the only one I would say with that is what I seem to think what they've done is that somebody like Denmark has got this ornamental flower chem, uh, pharmaceutical industry. So they know how to grow a rose a million times over the exact same way. And I think this is what Bedra kind of done is that they've kind of given a specific method, let's say, that they can guarantee that every single bud of flower is going to be this exact percentage of THC. So yeah. I, I think that's where they're they're getting around the loophole, but that's not to say that homegrown laws shouldn't be in essence a part of any law or any industry that comes into Ireland. It, it, it's a must, yeah. I think, for the whole industry to be able to agree on that. Yeah, I think they're using maybe a tissue culture method, which might yeah. be outside of uh, the realms of possibilities for the conventional gardener out there. But still, cloning, <laughs> like cloning a cannabis plant, it's uh, it's well within the realms of possibilities for for a conventional gardener to do that, and it is quite consistent. And again, if you were to end prohibition and if you had access locally to a, a service that would test your cannabis, then you could see if your if your growing uh, program, your your gardening program at home is consistent in, in putting out. Um, the variety of cannabis that you need for for whatever condition it is that you want, um, and even if it's not, again, you know, if you as a, as a conventional gardener, you might be somewhat uh, um, trained to, to to blend these different extracts, and you could again blend them to make your own uh, um, confine our consistent ratio of cannabinoids there again. Um, so again, the, the prohibition of cannabis is what makes it impossible for people to do this currently. Once we remove prohibition of cannabis, we'll make it a lot easier. I was looking at the medical cannabis access program like and a 50 milliliter bottle of um, one of these extracts that, that's currently under the can Epil that, that recent that one. Yeah, so going with the 50 mil bottle, which is the most kind of cost saving one, because if you go for the lower bottle, it's even more uh, expensive. But it works out at um, it's 450 odd euro for the whole bottle. But with the amount of cannabinoids that are in there, it works out at being about 90 euro per gram of cannabinoid. So it's like 100 milligrams of THC for, per milliliter and there's five milligrams of CBD per milliliter. And when you work it out, you know, break the cost down, like when you're looking at just the active ingredients, if that's what you're after, um, going from the cost of that per gram, it, it's more expensive than gold. Gold currently is 50 euro per gram. And currently our, our, our government are buying in cannabinoids that are more expensive than, than gold you know, per, per weight, um, which is absolutely crazy. When you could grow this stuff out your back garden, imagine you could grow something out your back garden that's more expensive than gold currently. Like, <laughs> just yeah, fellas turning over mountains at the moment to get access to gold. Like They're ruining <laughs> the environment. And meanwhile, you could pop a few seeds and you've got something that's just as valuable and, yeah. and more beneficial than gold, because really what beneficial is gold outside of maybe the computer stuff you do with it. But... <laughs> 
Yeah, no, agreed, agreed, agreed. I think we've got a lot to look forward to now in 2022, mm. and uh, hopefully there's major steps ahead with Gino's bill and a lot of other things coming. What's the yeah. number one thing you're looking forward to next year before we jump off? Yeah, the, the, the Feed the Birds campaign here in Ireland, we're, we're going to launch a Feed the Birds campaign again where we're going to do some fun events on the run-up to it through January, Feb- or February and March. Um, just before we get into that growing period, you know, uh, April, May and June and stuff, um, we're hoping to give away a load of free seeds to people to, to promote the event. Oh, nice. But the, the Feed the Birds campaign, if people don't know about it, we're just encouraging people to, to use hemp seeds to feed birds. And uh, then hopefully, you know, the, these hemp seeds might uh, sprout up a few cannabis plants around the place, which might uh, gather the attention again from the, the media and uh, dr- get the conversation happening again. So that's something I really look forward to again next year is the, uh, the Feed the Birds campaign and all of the events that coming up because the calendar is really filling up there now um, for Ireland and the cannabis uh, community for next year. So big things to come. <laughs> yeah, that's great to hear, mate. Great to hear and I look forward to all that we have got to come now in the next 12 months ahead of us. So thanks again for taking your time to come on the show, mate. It's very much appreciated. For everybody who haven't checked out, check out Martin's World on all the social channels and his own YouTube channel as well. It's a, a very, very good show and very educational. So thanks again, Martin, for coming on the show. Everybody, we will chat on the next episode. Until next time. Music.